0: We got on the highway, and I was quiet for about a uh, two miles, maybe. Yeah, maybe two miles, not even five minutes. And she says, "What? What have you been thinking?"
1: Yeah, I was just curious, like you know, because you know you're a six, and I'm uh, the reason why I asked the question is because I literally wasn't thinking anything. Like my brain, just – I don't even
0: know what that would be like.
1: I can't, I can't imagine.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That just rings true to me. Like, I was I, uh, looking,
1: you know, okay. at the scenery, but I was really kind of checked out. And all the nines out there totally understand what I'm saying. No one else will understand, maybe. But I asked him, I'm like, so what were you thinking? Literally, for like five minutes, he just went and went and went and told me all these things.
0: And she got upset with <laughs> I that got I shared so it all with so overwhelmed.
1: I was like, how is it even like possible that you wrong. thought of this much stuff? And then I kind of felt bad for him because I was like, Ooh. oh you have that head, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, can't you just like turn it <laughs> off? You know? <laughs> hey everyone, this is Beth. And I'm Jeff. And this is your Enneagram coach, the podcast. And we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity. So that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, if you didn't know, we're also on YouTube. So go watch the podcast there, like, and subscribe so you don't miss any of the upcoming content that we release.
0: Well, today we're going to be talking about type sixes. And so being a type six, this is going to be very interesting uh, talking about myself, but our wings are 5 and 7. Now, if you don't much, know much about wings and you're maybe new to the Enneagram, be sure to head over to episode 160 where we explain Enneagram we, wings in more detail. Essentially, wings are the two types directly next to your main type. So if you're a 6, you're not going to have a 2 wing or a 4 wing. Uh, you have a type 5 and a type 7 wing. Now for Beth here, she's a type nine, so she's got an eight and a one wing.
1: Yep. So we get to talk about the type sixes today, but what we've in their wings, but what we want to remember is that they remain their main type, which is the driving force behind why they think, feel, and behave according to their core motivations. So their core fear, desire, weakness, and longing, and their core motivations are are their perspective of life and then how they interpret what they see and react to it. Um, and so we wanna take a look at those as well. But what we also wanna realize is that your wings have their own core motivations and they're trying to influence your main type based on how they see interpret the world. And so it's really important for us to understand these core motivations of the types we're connected to so we can see how and when they're trying to influence us.
0: Well, because of the relationship that we have with our wings, as well as the influence that they play in our lives, we're going to be referring to wings as parts of us, which we discuss more in our new book, More Than Your Number?, be sure to check it, check that out because we're going to give you a full understanding of how EIP or Enneagram internal profile and specifically wings, how they function for us. Uh, talking about your wings as parts may actually seem a little strange at first, but the reality is, is that we already speak this way and we're gonna illustrate that in our conversations today. Because we often will say to others, I, I well, maybe I, I do I want to do this, but I also want to do this, or I feel this way, or mm-hmm. and then I feel something competing inside me. And sometimes those are actually wings showing up in your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wings bring their own perspectives based on their core motivations and bring up at times contradicting thoughts and feelings, which can cause us to feel stuck, torn, or indecisive. And they can be enhancing to our life relationally as well as living out our calling. So we're going to be introducing our guest here in a few moments, but always keep this in mind that we will always remain our main type with the core motivations of our main type, as well as experiencing the influence of our various wings. And for the six, that's going to be type five and type seven.
1: Yeah. So before we dive into hearing from our guests, let me just paint a picture of the type six so that you're really familiar with them. Now they're the faithful guardians. They are so reliable, hardworking, dutiful, and they're steady people. Now they have a great sense of humor. So I'm sure we're going to have a fun time today. Um, but they are the ones that foresee all the possible problems. They're fiercely loyal, committed to making sure everything goes the way it needs to go to ensure safety and security for everyone they're committed to. And type sixes may appear calm at times on the outside, but they have this internal committee that is constantly chiming in with contradictory thoughts of all the various possibilities, especially worst case scenarios. And so what happens with that is they can be plagued with this internal fear, indecisiveness, catastrophic thinking, and a lot of self-doubt. For them, this turns up as anxiety. Again, whether you see it or you don't see it, it's running in the background of their mind. And so they're going to look outside of themselves for sources that they can trust to help them to make the decisions that feel safe and accurate for them. So the core motivations for the six is the core fear of being without support, guidance, and security, to fear fear itself, to be blamed, targeted, alone, and physically abandoned. But their core desire is to have security, guidance, and support. But they struggle with the core weakness of anxiety. And this is where they're scanning the horizon, trying to predict and prevent negative outcomes, especially worst case scenarios. And so you're going to see that they're constantly remaining in this kind of state of apprehension and worry. Now, their core longing is to hear and experience you are safe and secure.
0: Well, our guests today are Kara and Adam. Uh, So thankful that you've decided to join us today. Kara, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Um, so I am a certified Enneagram coach. So that has been a fun adventure with you guys um, as of last summer. So I went through the course um, with Adam is one of the great instructors of that course. So that's been just a delight. Um, but yeah, my background was I was a missionary kid. Uh, my background is then in social work. And I started discovering that Enneagram, I would say about six years ago. And at the time, I actually thought I was a two. I had taken an assessment and I... thinking I was a two with a three wing and it was through meeting with the coach myself um, and just really digging deep. I started to just really resonate with that core motivation of the six. And it was actually the coach who said, why don't you explore the six? Like I hear a lot of the two in you and that could be a part of you, but you know, she was very gentle and just encouraged me to um, explore it. And at first I, there's, I can't be a six. I really struggled with seeing myself as in the head triad because I viewed myself as more emotional. So I put myself into that feeling triad. Um, But as I started using it just for growth and just really digging deep, I took some courses about the Enneagram before I decided to become a coach and started to explore my subtype and then my wings. It really started to solidify the six part. I really resonated Um, the core motivations of just feeling that safe and security, but I was struggling with some of the other parts. Um, And then learning about myself as a self-preservation six and hearing the words of warmth and friendly and just people and alliances that it just kind of hit the nail on the head. And then as I started learning about wings and really exploring the five and the seven, the seven, I saw that showing up. You know, People would often say, I feel that kind of energy from you. So yeah, it's been a joy now to use what I've learned in my own life as a mom, a mom of three teenagers and a wife on um, how it's helped myself and my marriage now as a coach to be yeah. sharing that with others. It's been a huge now, Karen, joy. Do
0: you resonate with this thought that um, particularly within uh, Christianity here in the States that for a female that it it's almost like there's a, a sense to where uh, to be a godly woman is to be a female too do you resonate with that? I
2: do, I do. I So my background, I just touched on it, was I was an MK, which stands for mm-hmm. Missionary Kid. Um, mm-hmm. So I was born in Congo, Africa, and oh, lived there until yeah. I was 12. So I was right in the throes of um, of a lot of what you're saying. So I think that mm-hmm. desire for, you know, as a woman to be that nurturer and um, service and love and care and sacrificial love mm-hmm. were absolutely things that rang true um, for sure. me. So I I do resonate with that. I've seen that.
0: You you bring up another dynamic here. (laughs) Do you feel American?
2: I do now. Yeah, I do. Yeah. My formative years were all on the mission field until I was about 12. So of course we would come, you know, to the States here and there. Um, But um, for sure, those early memories were all there. We were in the really remote area. So it was just rainforest, no infrastructure for roads. And then when I was nine, I went to boarding school. You can imagine as a type six, not knowing I was a type six. Right. um, All of that that I've now been processing through the lens of a six of how that felt Mm -hmm. to be a little girl just um, pulled away from my safe person who was my mom at the time. And Mm -hmm. put in a situation that felt scary and felt Mm -hmm. like, who is that person? You know, like the rug just kind of got taken out from under me.
1: Yeah. Sure.
2: Wow. Well, look back well, on those uh, years, it's for sure a mixture. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's got a lot of pain in the story as well. Okay. Um, when I think about those years of boarding school and just some of the experiences that happened to me there and the lens sure. in which, as a six, I look back on that and those feelings of abandonment and just um, mm-hmm. struggling to find who's who can I trust, you know, who yeah. can mm-hmm. be that person for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, I think a self-preservation six female can Mm -hmm. definitely easily mistype themselves as a two because sixes in the head triad are very emotional. They're actually an emotional reactive triad. Mm -hmm. And so the emotions are going to come up though. They're really in the head, right? Mm -hmm. They have a lot of emotions. And then of course, like you were saying, just being in in that Christian sphere, needing to serve and to help and to give totally makes sense. Why Mm -hmm. two felt at first more true for you, but I'm really you know happy and glad that you had a coach that would gently walk you through the process you know i mean for jeff he, he's not self-preservation um mm-hmm. he's more on the one-to-one six which he thought he was an eight and he had someone mm-hmm. also say you're not an eight um it was a little bit more abrupt <laughs> for you it's a little bit harder to yeah
0: i set aside the enneagram for a year For a year. because uh, i was so frustrated with it yeah you got
1: stupid thing kind of skeptical <laughs> yes <laughs> Well, Why let's not get to into my stuff. Well, we are, but <laughs> we are. let's first, Adam, tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself.
0: Adam Breckenridge. Uh, all I
3: really want to do is get into Jeff's stuff now. That's, <laughs> that's the only thing that yeah. I want to do. So, Jeff, I've got Poke a question. How old were you the first time? No, we're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> so I was by... really about to go there with you, Adam. <laughs> I know you would. Uh, ride or die, man. We ride or die together. Um yes. <laughs> So yeah, thanks for, for having me on. It's always, uh, one of my favorite things to do, spend time with you and with our, our listeners, uh, and viewers on the podcast. So my name's Adam, uh, serve as the director of coaching with your Enneagram coach, which means I get to do what I love. I get to work with men and women who, um, are building their coaching practices, changing the world through their coaching practices and men and women who aspire to become coaches. And I love doing that because that's my story. It was, um, you know, I've got a wife and three daughters, and we were kind of drowning uh, in 2015, going through the ministry burnout stuff and a lot of hurt. And um, I met an Enneagram coach, which I didn't know what the Enneagram was. Um, he uh, he wanted to work with me, wanted to work with my wife Carrie, and and made us take this assessment. You know, Jeff, you were talking about your skepticism toward the Enneagram, and I'm I'm going to put this thing aside. I kind of came into it that way uh, looking at this as very skeptical. What is this? A lot of questions. Is this a safe tool? And, and, um, my coach just invited me to trust him. Um, and, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll trust you and I'll do this. And so when I read my report and then he walked through the report with me, it was one of those things where, um, the proof's in the pudding here, like this is, I mean, the, I, I, I've i said this probably on this podcast before, but the only way I know how to say it is it felt like I was inside of Psalm 139, where uh, I believe it's David is saying, um, I felt like God was searching me and knowing me. And it was a really vulnerable journey. It was like simultaneously I felt so alive because that's all that the heart really wants is to be seen and known and loved. So it was like beautiful. Like I felt so seen, so understood. It was also the scariest thing because I felt so seen, so understood so um you know, but it was one of those things where uh we couldn't deny the what the Lord was showing us through the tool, so we sat Carrie and I sat with the tool for about a year, just using it with ourselves, using it in our marriage, uh starting to use it with our how we uh show up in our parenting. And then it was one of those things where we were like, like, I've got to coach people with this. I've got to, I've got to like serve other people with this tool. Um, So I started coaching Uh, Beth, you know, you, Jeff and I met and and developed a friendship. And I immediately became a huge fan of your Enneagram coach and devoured all your social content. I I probably harassed you in those days, honestly, early on, I might've been like stalker uh, level. I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but, uh, it worked out. Well, if you out. were
0: stalking I mean, us, Adam, we wouldn't have known because you would have done so secretively. So that's, it, right. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's true.
3: Um, so that's a little bit about me. And I've uh, been, been working with the Enneagram now since, since 2015 and, uh, and, and loving it and love what I get to do.
1: We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening, but when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks so much for both of you for joining us today to share with us a little bit about what it's like being in six with these Things called wings. Now, it's very popular and common for people to talk about wings as they're one of, we have one wing with a a dominant wing. Now, for our presentation today, we're actually going to be talking about both wings and how they show up in in our lives, both in healthy and unhealthy ways. And just like a bird that has two wings, so do we. And so we're going to start off with the type 5 wing. Uh, I call this type 5 part of my heart. I call him Bob. Uh, Bob was a very influential mentor in my life and uh, had a lot of great influence. But we're going to talk about what it looks like for the five wing when it shows up in healthy ways. So the type five's core motivations are one is core fears to being annihilated, invaded, thought incapable, thought incapable or ignorant, having obligations placed on them or having their energy depleted. Their core desire is to be knowledgeable, capable and competent people. Mm -hmm. Now, you'll notice this part of the type six because it's observant, wise, curious, analytical, intellectual, insightful, emotionally distant, and independent. It feels it needs more knowledge to move forward competently. Therefore, it'll withdraw to gain the information it needs to help you feel guided and secure as you courageously engage in life's circumstances. Now, your five wing also helps you to courageously engage, engage with life's uncertainties, uh, knowing that you are highly resourceful and prepared. You support the disadvantaged with your insights and information and generously give others the wisdom and knowledge you have gathered over time. You're also able to intellectually pull apart things and then conceptualize new ways to put them back together. So let's start with you, Kara, first. How do you see the five part of your heart showing up in your life?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. You know, I see it in the first kind of path of my life. I'm 42 now, so... Uh, my kids are getting older, so I'm seeing the five more. I think the seven was more of an obvious um, thing for me, but I'm seeing how, and I've heard that to be true, right? That kind of you start to lean on another wing as, as, as we age and whatnot and grow. Um, so I'm starting to see that five showing up. I see little glimpses of it, of my little, little six self. I think it also, you know, I have a strong desire to care for those less fortunate, which is a huge, it's just six part that uh, caring for the underdog. But I see that as part of the five in me. But a few ways I see um, the five showing up is one, um, I do love to learn. I wouldn't consider myself like an academic or an intellectual, like I might see some of my five friends, but I do love to deep dive. And I really saw that showing up actually with the Enneagram. Uh, My background is social work. I have a degree in social work and a minor in psychology. So people and learning like those things always just capture my interest. But when I learned of the Enneagram five years ago and then really started just exploring it, I just kind of could not get enough. You know, it was just podcasts, books, everything, just really researching. Um, And I see how now as a coach, how all that research and just you know, the stuff that I have in my brain that I wouldn't have normally thought of myself as that type of person that I'm able to pull that out, right? And, and rely on that. It helps me to be focused. It helps me to be kind of grounded when I feel the anxiety stirring in me. I think it also gives me objectivity and just, and has also helped me with boundaries. I think um, even as, as a social worker, we talk a lot about boundaries and in, in relationships and whatnot. And I think the five helps me to set up those healthy boundaries Um, and as a coach as well. And to create, to be able to look at people's lives and perspectives and stories with objectivity. Um, I think the sixth part of me can get, can pull into the, you know, the worry or just the anxiety and that five just helps me to see the situation for what it is. And, um, and it also gives me, yeah, like I said, that boundaries in my own life with, Starting, and I see this more and more, you know needing time to just recharge, and yeah. never I wasn't that way so much as teenager and twenties, um but now, if I'm out or doing a presentation or with people, I'm like I just need to I need to be home and recharge, and I see that yeah. as a gift to me now, so I see that a little bit of that self preservation I'm managing yeah. my resources of sleep and and whatnot, but I see that five really some healthy things. Um, do you want me to go into some of the more ways that I see it showing up in unhealthy ways, or do we want to talk about yeah,
0: we're gonna that? We're going to do yeah. that next. Uh, Adam, I'd love to hear, too, how do you see the five part of your heart showing up in healthy ways? Kara nailed it. Um, you know, it just I,
3: I feel like I could say what Kara what said, but, uh, but to put it in my own words, I, you know, the five part of me I've noticed really gives me the gift of curiosity. So, um, this is a part of me that I'm, I've noticed helps me learn and grow because it's, it's a part of me that's always asking questions, always digging and exploring and chasing a discovery. Um, so, it's a part of me that pushes me to read, pushes me to buy books, pushes me to um, ask a lot of questions, hopefully, before I make judgments. Um, and then, similar to, to what you said there, Kara, the older I get, the more I respect how my five wing helps me draw boundaries and recharge. I used to feel a lot of shame um, saying no to someone. And, and I'm not saying I don't still struggle with that. Um, but I also used to work in, um, working environments where working 70 hours a week and being exhausted by it was bragged about and worn like a badge of honor. Uh, and in my, in my twenties and early thirties, I really shamed my five part when it would show up and encourage me to slow down and not work as much and take a day off. And I would, you know, Call myself names that I'm not going to repeat out loud on the podcast because I wanted to maybe slow down a little bit and draw a boundary, and it was this it was this way of really shaming myself. And so now that I'm 40, uh, I'm not necessarily a spring chicken, uh, and I'm I'm learning to appreciate what a gift this part of me is and how it helps me to say no if I need to say no and uh, take a Sabbath, take a day off, like I mean. Uh, you know, so I, I'm really, I'm really learning to appreciate that's some of the healthy ways I notice this part of me showing up.
1: Now, what's interesting <clears throat> is being the wife of a six who had a very dominant seven wing early on, and you guys are the same. Yes. I'm curious if you experience the same thing as I have. So now that Jeff's five wing is much more active, yeah. He too is much more at times quiet and contemplating and thinking like we'll be in the car and it used to be like music up, you know, like talking all the time, engagement, you know, like really wanting yeah. to connect. Yeah. And I was in the last year, year and a half, it's been much more quiet. Um music may or may not be on and if it's on it's kind of quiet. And it's I'm almost as the spouse like is everything okay? It's so
0: funny, she'll say <laughs> things like, "Can you hear that?"
1: Yeah. Cause, well, I'm older, so then I'm or, like, "I can't really well, hear the music." Are you enjoying the music? And, it's not even it's like funny. up.
0: I, one, I recognized how much I was working out my anxiety by talking it through with you. So you you held it for years, but there was one I moment did do the we, we with got it. on the we got on the highway, and I was quiet for about. Ah, uh, two miles, maybe. Yeah, maybe two miles, not even five minutes, and she says, "What? What have you been thinking?"
1: Yeah, I was just curious, like you know, because you know you're a six, and I'm uh, the reason why I asked the question is because I literally wasn't thinking anything, like my brain. just. I don't
0: even know what that would be like. I can't, I can't
2: imagine. imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That just rings true to me. Like I was I, uh, looking,
1: you know, okay. at the scenery, but I was really kind of checked out. And all the nines out there totally understand what I'm saying. No one else will understand maybe. But I asked him, I'm like, so what were you thinking? Literally for like five minutes, he just went and went and went and told me all these things.
0: And she got upset with her, <laughs> I that. I shared so, it so all overwhelmed.
1: With her. <laughs> I was like, how is it even like possible that you wrong. thought of this much stuff? And then I kind of felt bad for him because I was like, "Ooh, you have head, right?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, can you just like turn it <laughs> off, you know? I think I just started to disassociate even as you were talking. Oh,
0: absolutely. I I can see you at times. She's gone.
1: Well, and Adam, you have a type nine wife. Does she kind of done the same thing with you at times?
0: This
3: is, this is the absolute funniest thing to me because it's the same. It's the same dance. (laughs) Same thing. Same thing. If I'm quiet, she wants to know if I'm okay. And if she asks what I'm thinking (laughs) and I tell her, she gets overwhelmed. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same. It's the same thing.
1: And it was so funny. It's like the quietness, because I'm more introverted, I, I kind of enjoy it, but I don't know what to do with it. Because it's not yeah. been yeah. for 20, we've been married now 27 years. So 25 of those years was all of this connectivity and talking, mm-hmm. and which yeah. was great and exhausting all at the same time. And now that it's not there as much, I sometimes don't know what Your to do. Your
0: quiet stubbornness won in the long run. <laughs> In
3: the yeah, long run,
1: it just took a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've definitely noticed the same
3: trend, and 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 Carrie would say she's noticed the same trend. But what's funny is when I get around my friends, mm-hmm. you know, like if Jeff and I are in the same room. That's whenever oh, I yeah. like I call my seven. It's it's the, it's this buddy energy. It's <laughs> almost this like, what do you guys want to do? You know, like yes. let's right. do, let's do something. Um, you know, and uh, and it could be like let's. It could be as extreme as like let's set something on fire or. Uh, <laughs> You know, let, let, let uh, me show you some funny TikToks that I've recently discovered. Yeah, like, you know, it's okay. in, and anything let's in between. let what happens. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about the unhealthy ways the five can show yes.
1: up. Yes. Okay. So with the unhealthy ways that the five can show up is that not only is the mind of the six going to be running, but so is the mind of the five. So you've got competing anxieties going on. So the six is thinking about all the things that might happen, negatively speaking, it could be relationally, it could be just circumstances, but this, the five is going to be the intellect of this. And so they're going to research and try to strategize all of the ways to avoid these pitfalls that might happen. And it can become all consuming. And the five feels that they never have enough information. So you're going to see more frenetic energy. Um, they're going to be more withdrawn, independent, maybe isolated. They're going to be more compartmentalized and secret and really kind of hone in on their relationships, the ones they're committed to, to ensure that everything is going to go well. You're also gonna see, versus the seven, you're gonna see this five part of their heart um, to become very fixated on just a few relationships and be more suspicious, like, who can I trust? Who can I not trust? So the, the, the five can be very cynical when it's not healthy and the six definitely is gonna be suspicious. So it's going to be gauging a lot about the relationship and how things are going. And if it feels unsafe, it's going to withdraw and pull back a lot more and be more isolated. So with saying that, Adam, why don't we have you go first? How does the type five in an unhealthy way show up in your life?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, you're picking up, just listening to you explain that, you're, you're, you're really highlighting this truth that a lot of writers have picked up on that with, with every gift, there is a bit of gold and there's shadow, you know, there's always a shadow side to the, to the gift. And, you know, I feel like my five gives me this gift of curiosity and learning and, and, and exploring and researching and digging. And, but the shadow side of that is when all of that becomes, uh, overthinking, um, and, and really procrastination. I can't tell you how many times I I could have finished a sermon by lunch on Wednesday, but I had to read three more books, 11 more articles, listen to five more podcasts uh, because I feel like I didn't know enough to preach the text. And I struggle with this fear of not knowing enough and being incompetent. I mean, I've literally had nightmares of I'm going to stand up there and not know what to say. I'm not going to know. I even know anything about this text or know how to apply it. Or I, I'm just so, that, that fear of, and I understand that this, the type five is part of me. My heart is just trying to protect me from that fear
1: yeah,
3: and keep that from happening. Uh, but if I'm not careful, this can really paralyze me. Um, yeah. That's, the other one, thing, that's
1: one thing. I'm glad that you said that, Adam, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you. no, go ahead. <laughs> but one thing I didn't mention was that when we talk about the unhealthy parts of our wings or just our type as a whole, it has good intentions. It's yeah. trying to help. Yeah but it's ill-equipped and it may not have the full perspective. And so we want to treat it, you know, with dignity and be attuned to it and and welcome it and not shame it or condemn it. Um, that just only makes things worse. And so how yeah. can we lovingly um, come alongside it and, and guide it into a healthier perspective? So I'm sorry, continue. I just no. that's been the biggest thing that.
3: for me. That's been the biggest thing for me. And, you know, we, like, Uh, That's, that's why, you know, we hit on that so heavy in the book, you know, it's, it's like that kindness really does soften the part and open the door for change. I have found that if I shame this part of my heart or come at it with aggression, it's only going to dig in its heels. I mean, it's it's just, it's going to get more anxious. It's going to get, and so, um, the the only other thing I was going to say is is just the, you know, it's, it's the shadow side to setting boundaries, you know, so like, I feel like my five gives me this gift of setting boundaries, but the, the, you know, when it's, when I'm not in a healthy spot, I, I want to stay there. You know, the, the walls that I build around me get taller and thicker and I might withdraw from everyone, including my family. And, um, Carrie will, you know, tell me quickly when that happens. Uh, but it's, it's, it's. It's one of the less healthy ways, again, trying to help me, trying to protect me. It knows, it knows that I need to recharge, uh, but if I'm not careful, I can, I can disappear completely.
2: So, Kara, oh. what about you? Thanks. I do resonate with a lot of what Adam said. A couple of ways I see that kind of unhealthy side for me is really in that analysis paralysis of getting stuck in my head. I mean, as a six, we are all those, you know, inner committee voices are always chiming in. But just that getting when I feel it's when I feel stressed, too, it's the just the kind of hamster wheel of just complete inability to make a decision. And I think for myself, I see um, sometimes my relying not so much on I think the sixth part of me is looking for other people to tell me what to do in those situations. So I get stuck wanting my husband just tell me what to do, you know, or texting another friend or texting and just not trusting that that inner part and that just going where I'm just completely in the head. I see as being that five part at times where I'm losing a little bit of the connection with my body or with my emotions in that situation. Um, and I definitely resonate with what Adam said about the shadow side to boundaries. I think, you know, the early part of myself really didn't, I don't see that so much showing up. And extroverted. So I'm very social, but I'm starting to see in subtle ways how, um, I can at times be a little stingy with my time when I'm feeling stressed, especially with my kids um, or my husband, even like um, when I, I kind of get to the point sometimes where I'm like, I just want to be done. I want to check out. I want to relax. Um, and I'm, I'm moving into that space of kind of, I think it's, I see how my five is trying to protect me. It knows I need to relax. I need to, you know, unwind before I go to sleep because I need my rest and I see all of those things, but I can see how, I can be frustrated, like if something is supposed to end at nine o'clock at night, let's say, you know, and it goes late and I internally start to get a little activated, like, now I'm not going to be able to go home and I'm not going to have my unwinding time with my husband. And um, so I see that sometimes as a negative in me just because um, I know it's I know, again, it's that by protecting me, but it is I can see how sometimes it goes overboard. I think it Mm -hmm. doesn't account for the fact that, you know. God will give me refreshments mm-hmm. and he will meet me in those moments where I just want to draw the line in the sand or when my kids want to have a conversation late at night and I'm like, I'm done. I can't do it. <laughs> Which teenagers like to have conversations late oh, at night. Yes.
0: Oh. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if you guys experience this as it relates to the five part of our hearts. Um, there. Are, so what am I now, Beth? 47, 48? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about to be 48? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've had a lot of experience. I've had a lot of training, and I mean, my Evernote file system is just massive. Uh, over the years of collected materials that I've never gone back to, um, but just in case, but, but I but Please. I will. There've been moments that I do. But as it re- so, it relates to avarice and hoarding information. So gathering all this information, but I find too so. I can fear not being prepared, yeah. but I can also feel like, "Hey, I don't know if this person will affirm or appreciate what I know," and so I will arrogantly not share that part of my heart.
3: Mm. Mm.
0: Do Do you guys experience that as well, or am I just crazy? No,
1: like being stingy with your. That's knowledge. right.
0: Where it's like you know you don't you you don't know how good I am at what I do. And I'm not even gonna show you because I don't think you'll value it. But at the same time feeling I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I have sure. no confidence in myself. I- oh yeah. Yeah. Go no, ahead.
3: I I absolutely resonate with that. And you know, Jeff, you and I have made jokes about how similar we are in terms of um we we I don't I don't know if it's a gift or a curse, but we hold <laughs> on to quotes, like we remember quotes. And like, I, I don't have a photographic memory, but I can tell you like, oh yeah, it's somewhere around page 27. I know it's like in the upper left part of the page right. and, and, and Kurt Thompson said this, this is what he said. And it's, <laughs> and it's not cause I'm, it's not, it's not, I, I, listen, I'm not, it's not false humility. It's not, it's not brilliance. I think it's the five part of me that so desperately wants to uh, know enough. And so Mm. desperately wants to protect me with knowledge, but, but it's, it's, and it's a slightly different point than you were making, Jeff. I do think there's times where I withhold what I know and don't share what I, Mm. and don't share what I know because I don't, I I either, (laughs) I either fear that the other person might know more or might, you know, prove me wrong or that they're not going to appreciate what I, what I have to say. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Kara, do you experience this? I do. I think a little slightly different angle. I don't necessarily resonate it as much with the hoarding of knowledge. I mean, that's not a piece that I, that I do. Although I see how I, when I do know, I I think I go deep diving with the relationships and people. And maybe that's that self press where I'm using alliances and you know, how many groups and I love being a part of groups. And so, um, I see how sometimes those things really hit. I absolutely resonate with the piece of fl- holding on to pieces. More for me, it's self doubt. It's doubting that I actually have something to offer, you know? And even as I was digging into the Enneagram before I was deciding to become a coach and just kind of trying to pray about what was like the next step for me after the kids are getting older. And my husband and other people would reflect to me, they're like, you remember. Everything they're like, and this isn't something people who know me. I mean, they know I'm not. They wouldn't call me an academic. I don't have a ton of books. I remember dates of people's kids' birthdays, and I remember all of like those kinds of things. And uh, but with the enneagram, I just I learned it, and and yet I had this doubt that I could actually offer it to somebody. Um, so that may be more the sixth part of the self doubt, but I see how that five, you know, just. The ability with the topics that I'm interested in, the ability to really go into that space of work of holding onto that knowledge. Um, and I'd have to explore a little bit more if that's coming out of the place of sure in all of what you were speaking of kind of am I hoarding it because of the arrogant sense that people wouldn't understand. I don't know for sure something yeah. about. So for those
1: that are curious to find Adam, you know, and Kara. On our directory page, you go to Mm MyEnneagramCoach.com, and that's where our certified coaches are. So you can go in there and type in their name, and you'll see them pop up.
0: Well, remember, if you're interested in learning more about the Enneagram, head on over to YourEnneagramCoach.com. If you want to take your Enneagram knowledge further into where it can really change your life, find one of our coaches like Adam and like Kara. And for those of you who want to bless others and by becoming an Enneagram coach, be sure to check out our industry leading certification program at uh, YourEnneagramCoach.com. Our coaching team is looking forward to help you to fulfill some dreams of being a blessing in the lives of others.
1: And as always, remember that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It is the gospel that transforms us. So thanks for tuning in. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about Type 7's wings. So uh, we can't wait to see you there.